The Bible Study Podcast, episode 351. The Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Psalms today with Psalm 51. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Now that we get back to the study of the Psalms, I had a letter from Carlos that suggested I add Psalm 51 to this week's Bible study. So we're doing Psalm 51. One of the interesting things about Psalm 51 is that at the beginning, not only do we learn that this is a Psalm of David, but we also learn when this happens, which I always appreciate when somebody remembered to write that down. And it says, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And so that is the context of this particular psalm. You may remember that story. King David is doing very well. Things are going well for him. He's captured Jerusalem. He's moved the ark into Jerusalem. He's having success on all fronts at this point. And then one night he is on the roof of his house. He looks looks over and sees Bathsheba, the neighbor's wife, bathing on the roof. I don't know why the roof seemed like an appropriate place to bathe, but David saw her, lusted after her, sent for her, slept with her, got her pregnant, and then tried to get her husband, who had been away fighting for David at the front, Uzziah the Hittite, to come home, sleep with her so that his sin would be concealed, so that everyone would think the baby was Uriah's. But Uriah wouldn't do that because his men were at the front. And so David tells his commanders to have Uriah accidentally die in battle, basically to put him in the front lines, and then to draw back so that Uriah would be killed. And that happens. And David at this point takes Bathsheba as his wife and thinks he's gotten away with it. But the prophet Nathan comes to him and says, a rich man has a friend come to town and rather than taking one of his many sheep, he goes and takes his neighbor's sheep and serves that to the guest. And David is incensed because of this injustice and says that that man should die. And then Nathan says, that man is you. So we have David, who the Bible says is a man after God's own heart, who is guilty of sin, who is caught in sin. And in response to that, he writes this psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place." couple interesting things about this. Clearly at this point, David is repentant, or at least he is feeling the guilt of his sin. And it's interesting that at this point, he realizes that he is a sinner. He realizes that he's never measured up. Because if you look at other Psalms, you'd see David who is praying for God to protect him from his enemies saying, I've always kept your ways. But at this point, he feels his humanity. He feels that condition of sin into which we are all born. All of us are sinful and self-centered by nature. And that's what David was when he looked over and he thought, here's a woman that I have to have. He didn't think of Uriah. He didn't think of the child. He didn't think of Bathsheba. He thought of himself and thought of what he wanted first. And he certainly, certainly didn't think about what God wanted in this situation. And at this point, he realizes that that's the kind of man he is, because that's the kind of people we all are by nature. He takes this to God and he says, have mercy on me because I also know 
who you are. I also know of your unfailing love. I also know of your great compassion. He doesn't say, forgive me, God, because I deserve to be forgiven because of all the other good things that I've done. He says, forgive me, have mercy on me. Mercy, which is related to grace. Grace, which means that free thing that you didn't deserve that you get. And mercy means that punishment that you do deserve that you don't get. And so he says, have mercy on me because I know you are merciful. Wash me, cleanse me, make me yours again, make me new again. Because that sin is in between you and me right now. That sin is always before me. As he looks at God, he sees his own sin. He continues, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This may be the most familiar portion of this passage. I know the church that I grew up in, which is a liturgical church, which tends to have an order of worship, would use a song created from this song, Create in me a pure heart, O God, every week as part of the confession of our sins portion of the worship service, because there is a constant need for us to come to God and to say, God, I continue to screw up, continue to work in me, continue to change me, send your Holy Spirit to sanctify me, to make me holy as you are holy. And that's what David is doing. He's saying, you created me. In essence, you can recreate me. You can make it so that again I can hear joy and gladness. Because David is also in mourning because when Nathan comes to him, he says, as a consequence of your sin, that child that Bathsheba is burying will die. And so David is feeling crushed. David is feeling that grief of loss of a child. And he's saying, If you cleanse me, Lord, not only will I not have to look at my sin as I look towards you, but also I know that I will then be joyful and glad again. Don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, because our long-term joy comes from being in the presence of God and from that indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. We talk about salvation And I like what Watchman Nee, the Christian writer from China, had to say about salvation. Salvation, he said, is when you are transferred from the kingdom of this world to the kingdom of Christ. You are transferred to a different set of beliefs, to a different way of living. And there is joy in being in that kingdom. And then it goes on. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper in Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole, and then bulls will be offered on your altar. And again, this is one of the things that David does in the Psalms, is he prays through to 
past where he is now. And he sees a time when not only will he be restored, not only will he be forgiven, not only will his heart be made clean, but also that he will pass on that knowledge to other people that he will talk to transgressors about their ways. Now, it seems in some ways arrogant that he can talk about how can he, a murderer, talk to other people about their sin. And that's something that I'm very well aware of as a teacher because I am also a sinner. I am also imperfect, as David was. But the idea here is he's talking, as Luther said, about one beggar telling another where he found food. He's talking here about telling others about a merciful and forgiving God. Through his brokenness, through his imperfection, he can demonstrate to others the perfection of God. So this isn't something where he's going to be boastful. In fact, he's going to have to be open and honest to others that he is flawed, that he is a sinner. In fact, he takes all that, that knowledge and that truth that he is a sinner, and he writes in a song that people have been singing for thousands of years. Talk about honesty. And it says, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Clearly, they did. Clearly, God did, because clearly David did. And we still sing the praise of God in David's words thousands of years later. With that, we end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? I mean, you are called by God, and aren't we all praying the big prayer, here I am, Lord, send me. So if we put two and two together, you've got a message to deliver, my friend. Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, art to make, or businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth, unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. I use my mic like a machete, so if you don't like to get your toes stepped on or pushed off cliffs to finally jump on in with Jesus, I may be too much for you. But if you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com today.